and welcome to series three of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology. Our conversation gives us insights into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to relate. Here on Innovation, I give women a platform to be heard and seen because this exact conversation is also in video format on YouTube. And honestly, every single episode is inspiring and uplifting in all sorts of different ways because we hear about what these women have learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. This week, I talked to Claire Rose, a civil engineer. My name is Claire Rose and I'm a chartered civil engineer and chartered project professional um, with a long background of working in um, civil engineering and major construction projects. And uh, I'm currently a strategy manager within a large engineering procurement and construction company. Wow. Um, Claire, I have to say that's, uh, it sounds like you do a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, in an industry that is managing a lot of big, big projects, um, what kind of what kind of work do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what kind of projects are you involved in? So I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, I get the opportunity to um, work with some of the teams that are delivering fantastic um, projects all around the world from motorways um, through to helping support energy transition projects, which I think all of us know right now is incredibly important. So as part of my role, I'm, I spend uh, a lot of time kind of understanding our capability and um, looking forward ahead to kind of see what, what are we going to do in the future and uh, working with the business to help deliver that. So you've been in engineering for about 10 years. Um, that's an incredibly long time um, to be doing something that I'm assuming is very male dominated. Yes. So, I mean, it's interesting because you because I, I'm probably pushing into now I guess September. It's probably well over probably 15 years since I actually started my undergraduate degree, and I think that's the beginning. Or maybe actually, if you, if you step back even further, um, a lot of women kind of start to drop out when you're doing the STEM subjects at um, school as well. So, so probably for nearly like pushing on 17 years I, I've actually probably ended up as you said spending more time in male dominated industry and I think that's interesting that we we constantly have more and more women kind of dropping out um, as you go into more of those seven subjects however I, I do think we're kind of starting to turn that tide and I think over the last couple of years we've started to see more women um, going into maths um, and also physics and the other sciences as well which are which are key enablers to be able to start and go to university to be in stem careers if you decide to go to university but even opening up apprenticeships as well is starting to expand the amount of women that are now um, in our industry yeah i mean i've actually noticed a change um and it's very positive um i feel like women are just finding their voice and um are gaining confidence in the industry um you know 10 years the 10 years that you've been in the industry you must have seen a lot of change um 
I guess getting a bit personal, like, did you ever feel um, that sort of, uh, what would you call it, like underrepresentation uh, when you first started out? Yes. So, and I think it also depends on in what type of organisation you end up starting in. So, um, I was quite fortunate in the early at the start of my career working for uh, an an engineering contractor. So, I think that side of things means that you're more exposed to probably more of a masculine environment when you're working in construction versus engineering. And actually, as part of my development, I ended up working across um, engineering um, contracts. Uh, project management and also construction as as I was developing in my career and I think through that you do see different facets different kind of proportions of of women and men and and actually taking away just gender like diversity as a whole it starts to change in those environments but why I think the question is why is that I think there's lots of different barriers that um, mean that and it's actually an enabler now, if you think in, in the flip side. So um, some of the areas are more easily accessible for people to be able to have more flexible hours working from home. Um, since the pandemic has really transformed, I think, um, a lot of our kind of STEM industries. So I think the barriers are starting to kind of come down, which is fantastic. Um, but there's still a lot more to do. But when when I think more specifically, so if we think construction, typically the hours are longer. Um, I think that can be a barrier for a, a lot of people going into it. And it might be um, it might also be exciting. People might want to be in that environment, being outside um, a little bit more when you think about um, civil engineering construction. Um but I think it all depends on how do we match the people and their passions together uh, and, and finding those right times and environments to actually be able to bring those opportunities that people can actually then not just feel that they have to work in one environment or the other, but then understand what options are available for them to actually uh, be able to work in a field that they really enjoy, that aligns with kind of their work, wider kind of work-life balance. When we talk about sort of construction and infrastructure, I mean, let's really get sort of grassroots here. Like what kind of projects does that involve? So civil engineering and construction um, really encompasses like a huge amount of different things. And um, I think the best description I've ever had of kind of civil engineering um, is uh, and description of it is shaping uh, the built environment around us and and actually I think that that really helps to surmise it uh, really well so it's it's building some of the railways it's building some of the ports that get our goods to and from to help support um, our society really um, be what it is um, thinking about some of the houses the the water treatment I think engineers actually make it such a huge difference to society especially when you think about just from what you do on a day-to-day basis you know putting the kettle on um, whether it's the electricity uh, for the power stations that have been uh, built uh, although I have to say civil engineering doesn't really um, put all of the all of the different elements that go into that power station um, but a lot of civil engineering is, is in and around everything that we do and, and throughout the course of our lives, whether we're, tr- we're trying to travel um, with the aviation sector or 
the railway sector or even the roads um, that are around us. So it's a huge variety of different things. And I think that's why sometimes it can be too big for people to think about, well, how do I fit in within that? Um, but for me, I've always kind of enjoyed working on big major projects and and part of that I think is bringing the people together so how do you bring lots of different people um, and be the sum of greater than that part uh, and we need so much more different um, types of engineers but not just engineers it, you know, we really need to make sure we've got the right governance in some of our projects. We need to uh, really have a broad range of different skill sets to allow us to build some of these projects. Um, accountants, um, project controls to make sure that we deliver our programs on time, on budget. Um, all of the, the, these different skill sets, but they're not actually conventional engineering. A lot of them come maybe have come from accountancy or they, they've come from lots of different backgrounds, but they have an awareness of, of really infrastructure projects. So I think that's probably my big thing is actually you don't automatically need an engineering degree to work in infrastructure. And I think that's a, I think in the future we need to kind of think about how can we make more infrastructure projects have greater accessibility so we can have so much more cross-pollination lots more ideas so we can deliver our projects faster um, cheaper and um, more replicatable so as a little girl mm -hmm. um, what inspired you to go into something like this because it's quite an unusual choice isn't it for for girls it is. And, and actually, I remember uh, being at university and most of the women that uh, were part of my year group either had an engineer or a dad or some close family member that was an engineer. There, there wasn't really anybody that didn't have that. So I'm really lucky, actually. because So I chose civil engineering and my mum actually is a civil engineer. So again, wow, quite a rare rarity to have like two women in the family um, being engineers but I was lucky enough to have that and her background was actually in water treatment which is a very different side um, to kind of the big heavy civils that I've been more involved with. What's big heavy civils? So big heavy civils are, I would categorise as being spanning across lots of different um, lots of different industries but it's it's the big bridges, it's the uh, big foundations, it's the big structures. Um, and across my career, I've worked in delivering some fantastic railway projects, but they've always had kind of big, heavy, heavy civils components with lots of concrete, lots of rebar, um, and really transforming that built environment around us and, and helping um, society. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've continued in this field is I really see the value of what all my efforts uh, go towards and and I think little things like one of my early projects that I worked on um, was an elevated railway viaduct but it was um, when you think oh that's great get to build a massive bridge and that's a lovely reminder of what what you've been part of creating but it's more than that actually and I think for me it's the idea that that bridge which is as a viaduct effectively spanned across lots of multiple lines whereas um, before it was kind of like a motorway junction where everything was at grade and there was a, effectively like a roundabout and everyone has to come and stop. Whereas actually what um, I was part of creating was having that grade separation like you have at a, at a more developed motorway junction where you, you have a slip road that comes off and then you can go pass underneath it or above it without causing any disruption to the main kind of flow of the, the line. So 
for the railway, I was doing that. But what what does that actually mean to people and the the people that are using that infrastructure? And for me, the the reward was knowing that so many people are going to go home to see their families uh, more reliably each day. And I think for me, that was kind of the I'm proud to be a part of this project because I'm proud to help make that difference to probably thousands of people's lives day in day out rather than having I don't know 10-15 minutes where they're like oh I'm late um, because the trains are delayed again having that quick um, ability to know reliably that they're going to get up, get home on time and if you think about all of us working in this in, in this in this industry as part of infrastructure we all have that opportunity to make society better it's so amazing uh, hearing you talk about it like that because um, when I think about engineering, uh, I just think of massive, heavy structures. Um, you know, this is in civil engineering. I think of, you know, um, just the machinery and the mechanics of making it happen. And I tend not to think about the why. And, um, listening to you describe the why is just yet more evidence of why it's so important to have diverse team engineering because i think it's perfectly okay to be thinking about the mechanics and you know the 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 physics and the 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 heavy structures and all of that but i think it's also important to have as part of that thinking the kind of motivation behind it and you know what what enthuses you and and with diverse teams everyone is motivated and enthused for different reasons because they've come from different backgrounds different perspectives and and all of that and um hearing you talk about it i don't know it just um i wouldn't say feminizes civil engineering but it does add this kind of warmer touch to something that was actually quite cold mm. as a concept no um, i think that's a really good i think that's a really good point that you've made because i think that's probably one of the barriers around why more women are not going into other sectors of, of other disciplines of engineering actually because um civil engineering is probably really fortunate to have so many women because they probably can tangibly see you know when they're doing their a levels or to be honest most uh, people make their decision much earlier to be able to funnel down and focus at a level so probably when they're like 14 15 16 when they're thinking about careers it's easy to see really or it's a little bit easier to see um, what civil engineering is all about but it's so much harder to even um, comprehend you know what does a mechanical engineer do um, what does a process engineer do because our industry isn't very well um, or very good at publicizing um, some of these things so um, I think that that's a really good point and I think women are also more appealing uh, appeal to the altruistic side of, of what we do um, when you know if you probably ask lots of different women around why do they go into certain different types of careers it's probably around I want to make a difference um, and I think we were having this conversation right before we started this call around you know what you know why we actually went into engineering so how do we actually appeal and even sell our industry differently so that we can make sure that we've got a pipeline of diverse and talented people to work in um, engineering and infrastructure yeah and 
I think another myth that needs to be busted is, um, you know, for any girls that are thinking, well, I, I really find infrastructure projects interesting. I'm fascinated by bridges and the roads and, you know, for anyone that has that awareness that it could be of interest to them. I think there's this added worry for women in existing in an industry where the people they work with may not understand um, what it's like being a woman. Um, you know, we have various different roles in life that we could take as mothers and partners and, um, you know, members of family and, 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 you know, there are many hats we can wear. And engineering doesn't often strike people as being an industry that's open to um, individuals that wear different hats, if you know what I mean. So how have you managed to balance all those different roles? I think, I think that's a, a great question, actually. I think the industry is getting more and more open to that. I think I've seen it over my career, just different expectations on what it means to be um, an individual, isn't it? What it does it mean to be an individual and, and to be able to work in an environment that will welcome you and, and adapt to that. So, um, I mean, I, I take myself, I'm coming back um, after maternity leave and, and actually I've had loads of support lots of colleagues have been really open and welcoming and um you know an understanding I think recognizing that you go through lots of different life changes and if things will change also uh, as we get to towards the end of our lives as well we may be looking after um or caring responsibilities may start to come up uh, for aging parents as well or, or sick relatives so there's there's lots of different um needs that people have but I think uh, mental health awareness is becoming a much more greater factor in um, the engineering construction industry. A lot of that actually stems from um, the challenges that men have. Um, you know, men actually are more higher in uh, being more susceptible or have a higher proportion of suicide. And I think engineering actually, or not engineering, I think construction specifically, there's a much higher risk for um, men uh, and have historically taken their lives, which is incredibly sad. And and part of it, I think, is is the male side of things. But what that's opened up is having a much more open conversation, rather than feeling that you can only bring a little bit of yourself to work. Is to come to work and be your whole self. And I think that not only supports women, um, but it also supports um, the LGBT plus community as well. Um, so that you can be more open and transparent about some of the challenges that you might have. And I think it's important as leaders in the industry um, for us to be more open and transparent about some of the challenges that we might have. Um, so I know um, I've been quite open about discussing um, some of my needs coming back to work. And when I've been on calls with um, other women and or I'll, I'll be telling them um, about some of the challenges that I face, um, as I'm coming back to work in that transition, such as, um, you know, I might I might be explaining to them, oh, actually, I have to take breaks now because I have to go because uh, I'm breastfeeding at the moment. I have to go and express milk. I mean, those are different types of things that um, unless we have leadership visibly kind of explaining and, and role modeling it, we're going to it's going to be difficult for the next generation coming up to feel comfortable about discussing some of these challenges that they may have. 
um, whether it be health problems, whether it even just be boundaries for the, their personal life that they feel uh, they need to share. And that could be actually, I need to go to the gym every morning. I can't go to that early meeting that you want to set at maybe six o'clock because that works for you in your time zones. Uh, and having those healthy boundaries, I think, are really important. And having that respect enough with your colleagues to be able to openly discuss those is very key. Um, but I think touching on one of your points around kind of why women are really important in our industry and why I and why I know personally both my organization and lots of other organizations uh, in our industry are keen to attract, retain, and and develop women in our organizations is that we need we need diverse people. Um, and we can't exclude 50% of the population. And if we think about the infrastructure we're creating, it's going to serve 50%, it's going to serve 50% of society, which is women. Um, so if, and, you know, if you broaden it out and think also um, an aging population and lots of other factors, we need true diversity in our work organisations to be able to even think about some of the challenges that as we're building infrastructure, as we're designing infrastructure, how can we include those people in our thinking? And I've got um, I've gotten a good example and it, it's not actually from, from a work side of things, um, but it was uh, from my local area. So I, um, I live in London, in Lambeth, and um, one of the key things that they've developed is a community group focusing on women because they've um, you'll be aware of probably the Sarah Everard um, uh, situation that happened I think it must have been about two years ago actually it was 2020 um, and before that actually in advance of that situation um, a fantastic um, uh, group within Lambeth actually developed a survey and they identified that there were a number of high-risk areas and a lot of those high-risk areas were actually near construction sites um, and when I talk about them being high risk uh, to women it was environments where women felt really unsafe and whether that was because they were being uh, leered at or um, catcalled or um, followed home some people felt uncomfortable but the, the way that we design that infrastructure, the way that we um, create the hoarding along those kind of avenues, which often around construction sites, it's really tall, high, because we're trying to shield the site, make sure people don't get in. But actually, we create a really difficult and uncomfortable environment for people to use that area and sometimes enroach on pavements, which means, you know, uh, women and men that may have buggies uh, with children or other or disabilities may find it difficult to kind of pass through those areas. Now, there's lots of different controls that are in place, but there was one example of a construction site in London where they had an elevated kind of bridge over the construction site, and it was all, and the side kind of parapets were actually um, in plastic, but then that means women that were walking above um, if they were wearing skirts or anything, then then the the men below could potentially see um, other skirts. So I think there's a, there's a number of different um, thought processes that if we have more women involved, and not just women, but more diverse group of people, we'd start to think about actually the people that are using this infrastructure. Have we considered their needs, and have we considered the impact that this will have on them? So I think it's a it's a really um, great. Um, it's a really great thing to make sure that we can attract more women. And, I, and that's why I think it's important that we even think about how can we, uh, not to say that, you know, engineering and um, 
you know, lots of technical qualifications are important, but how can we try and reduce the onerous on having certain very specific qualifications in our um, in our uh, job descriptions uh, when we're looking for people so that we can try and even expand the pool of people that we're looking for so we can attract some of those people that are coming from more diverse backgrounds to be part of our teams to develop these solutions for people. Yeah, I mean, you um, you really highlight uh, organisational change that needs to happen and actually has been happening, um, which is really encouraging um, because I love this idea that women are now um, much more comfortable to say what they need. Um, they are being treated uh, more fairly than ever before in terms of um, maternity leave and juggling all those different aspects of a typical female life. Um, you know, whether that is becoming a parent or needing to do some exercise or, you know, I just think, I think it's really great. I, I've definitely seen a change as a result of the pandemic where more flexible working hours is much more acceptable these days. And so I think things are heading in the right direction from an organizational point of view. Um, but looking at kind of you personally, um, how have you sort of remained um, strong within your own skin to be in a job um, and be in an engineering role for as long as you have, um, assuming that, you know, you're working um, amongst a team that isn't necessarily like you, you know, what are the top tips that you can share for how you've um, sort of powered your way through? No, that's a great question. And I think for me, the probably the top tips that I've got is um, come from a place from come from come from a place of understanding. So um, I think all too often um, we can we can ask questions, and I think the way that we ask questions can really you know frustrate people. I think um, early on in my career, I think I I asked like the really obvious questions, uh, but I think. Um, and sometimes you might feel that, oh, God, I feel like I'm asking these really stupid questions. And why I say that is actually asking questions is can be quite vulnerable. Um, but on the flip side, it can also help people want to come and help, give you that help and answer that question for you. But it builds trust. So I think finding ways to, even if it feels like you're asking a bit of a stupid question, to like build the bridge between some of you and your colleagues um, can be an incredibly powerful tool because I think some of the colleagues that you will work with and particularly um, you know I've worked with a lot of men in my career I can't say I haven't um, they they may be defensive uh, you know working with you or they've got an approach or they they've got a different way of working and but if you ask a question there's there's nothing wrong with that um, I think Another thought that I've got around working in different teams is find what brings you together. So 
I'm a great advocate around team building and just even organising um, lunches together or dinners together or just going going to pub for a drink, um, if, if that's something that the whole team actually do. Um, but having those diverse events, actually building teams, when you start to know people or know individuals as people and, and you know, you know, you know, their family life, their background, you know, their history, those little things mean that you're creating a team of people. That team of people is very difficult to then um, be adversarial or have difficulties around because you, you know that person. Why would you do that? Um, I think the challenge we have often in um, civil engineering and construction is often we, we're crisscrossed by lots of adversarial contracts. Now, that's something that's changing, but some, maybe some of the experiences that women are having in our industry, and it's not, and I can't say that it is easy, um, I have to be frank. I, I've had lots of different scenarios in, in, and experiences in my career, which have been incredibly difficult. Um, and when I reflect on some of those experiences, I think one of the things as women we often do is like say, what could I have done better in that situation? And probably taking a lot of the blame, the feeling or and maybe actually um, taking a lot of that blame yourself. And what I would encourage a lot of women that are working in the industry is actually think, no, um, rather than thinking, what what could have I done differently? How could I have checked, you know, what could I have done differently to change that scenario around me? But it's not automatically you uh, and, and the factors that you have kind of brought to the table that may have created a, I don't know, an argument, a situation, a, a disagreement. It, sometimes it might have been the environment around you. There's lots of different factors. And, and I'd really strongly encourage women to, to not think automatically, I'm, you know, what have I done wrong? Because um, I think that's something when I reflect on during my career, um, because inevitably it's going to happen, whether you're a man, a woman, um, or you come from a diverse background, it's inevitable that you, you're going to come up against some form of kind of adversarial kind of incident or problem. So having those kind of touch points where you can actually step back and think, actually, I can reassess what I can do differently, but what could I have done to try and at least manage the environment around me as opposed to changing myself? Um, I think it's something that uh, we could do differently. Wow. Uh, I wish I had received that kind of advice uh, when I was in the thick of the industry, um, which is a long time ago now. Uh, but it's kind of amazing hearing you say that um, because as someone that was heavily underrepresented in the industry, every time there was an awkward, um, uncomfortable situation at work, I immediately thought it was my fault because there was no one like me. I don't understand. I mean, you know, I was a brand new graduate as well. So it's like, maybe I don't have any experience, enough experience to really get what's going on. Maybe I need to learn more. Um, maybe it's because I'm brown. Maybe it's because I'm female, you know, all those kinds of things. And um, it's really, really powerful you giving that kind of advice because, um kind of listening to you, uh, I don't know, I feel like you're being backed up by your mum because, you know, she's gone through it and, you know, you would have had 
that role model um, to look to. And I really feel like what you've said um, provides girls and women with that role model um, voice and perspective um, to say, you know, it's not, it's probably not your fault. And, and, and more than that, it's not just about assigning blame, as you say, but it's also saying, don't worry about the problem. Put all your energy into looking at how you can resolve the discomfort. And um, that's really striking a chord with me today because uh, I feel that the older I've got, and this is not, you know, exclusive to STEM. I think it's just a life thing. But the older I've got, I've felt that um, I'm able to just go, you know, rather than being the sort of uh, the victim almost, to look at a situation that's uncomfortable or difficult or challenging and just say, um, what is there to learn in this situation? Um, because rather than saying, you know, oh, no, I, I haven't done that wrong or, um, you know, everyone doesn't understand me or whatever. I have actually been recently taking a big old pause um, and just allowing myself to really understand all the different team players. Um, Because the younger me would have said, that person doesn't get what I'm trying to say or, um, you know, that person um, doesn't think I'm good enough for this. And like, it was just all very complicated. Um, and actually today I'm able to take a mature, much more mature approach and just say, uh, okay, clearly there isn't a meeting of minds here and it's not all my fault. And, um, let's find an opportunity to make minds meet. So I love this, um, suggestion of trying to find ways to bring people together. I really see the importance of that. And um, as a woman, um, suggesting ideas of bringing people together is very empowered. Because the younger sort of graduate me would never have thought to do that. But, you know, if you have the confidence, if you can find the confidence within yourself to to make that happen, I think it, it really, um, it really, really empowers you. So thank you. And I think it's one of those like difficult, it's one of those difficult things because um, the, I think the early on you are, the early you are in your career, um, you kind of feel under a lot more pressure um, to, to perform, to be perfect. Um, unfortunately, as women, we're more likely to, to be constantly um, having that kind of perfectionism as well. So that when, when you don't get the outcome that you were desiring, you always think, oh, what did I do wrong? But actually, it could be part, it could be partially you, it could be, um, it could be your communication style, it could be how you're communicating with somebody else. Um, there's lots of different ways that people respond. Um, and maybe you're not communicating in the way that they would they prefer so then they kind of switch off a little bit so there's lots of different factors um and it's sometimes working out what what generally you could do differently so i'm great advocate in just taking yourself out of the situation um and i think i do actually recall one of my my mentors um or managers like saying to me earlier on my career saying don't don't think it don't think about you being wrong thinking about just think about what do you need to do to get the project forward or what do you need to do to get your um 
your passion or your voice across like what's the purpose of what you're trying to do take yourself out of the creation it's not about you it's about what you're trying to deliver and I think having that focus on something else rather than thinking it's all about me doing all of the work to perform then I think it takes a huge amount of stress off the situation and then it avoids you being in that situation where you actually feel that you're failing um, and you get into an awful cycle of kind of that fear of failure, um, which again, I think is another thing that the women often um, face because we're expected to be perfect a lot of the time. So I have to say not perfect at all in, in any way, shape of um, the uh, word. Uh, so uh, I'd encourage others to not try and be perfect because it's, it's never going to be healthy for you. And it just puts too much pressure on everyone else as well. We're all imperfect. We just need to kind of balance and um, kind of our needs around us. Oh, that's such good stuff. Um, zooming out again then, and kind of final question. Um, as a woman in engineering, as you in engineering, um, what would you need, if anything, to really be working um, in a perfect industry for you? Put another way, like how does the engineering industry need to change um, to really be, you know, a perfect place to work? No, that's a great question. So I think that for me, um, and I guess I've got the new facet of um, having been a new mum recently as well, is I think around flexibility is, is going to become more and more important. And actually it's more than just, okay, it's for new mums, but it's for helping to create that work-life balance. And when I talk about flexibility, I, um, I mean it a bit more broadly than just being able to tweak your work hours. I think it needs to be a bit more thinking about days, evenings, how can, how can we kind of appeal and access uh, more people to join us in delivering some of these projects? Um, because I, I do think that if we can if we can find a way collectively to be open to different ways of resourcing, um, I think that's going to unlock a huge amount of potential and it will make it much more appealing to not only the next generation coming up who, who want to have more of a portfolio kind of like career and job life rather than being kind of stuck with, I'm, I'm just, um, just going to do this job um, for now but actually have the option that they could do lots of different things and I think that's something that we're seeing with millennials coming up but also I think um, we're going to need to find a way of um, extending um, those which are closer to or have just retired as well we just don't have enough engineers in our industry at the moment so I think how we can find different ways of appealing to more people and there's some really good examples in the industry I've seen um, some of the high speed two um, consortiums have been looking at um, part-time working even in construction um, for a lot of different roles then and some of the construction companies in the UK are also looking at how they can do um, four-day working weeks as well which is part of a broader UK initiative around um, efficiency and I think some of those um, items are game changers in the way that we can appeal to so many more people by being open to different ways of working um, and I think we've got We've got tools that we're using today, like Zoom and Teams, but I think they're going to change in the future. And, and 
I think as an industry, if we can be more embracing of technology so that we don't have to all be in the same office at the same time, it's going to open up opportunities for everybody and make environments far more inclusive and making teams um, uh, much better, more effective and better able to deliver some of the challenges that we've got in our industry. Well, Claire, I have to say you really make engineering look appealing. Um, you, I, I know a bit about the engineering industry, but talking to you, um, I just feel like it's a place where women can feel comfortable and um, sort of embraced um, and, and, and just and welcomed in and developed um which hasn't always been my opinion of engineering and uh when i started this episode with you i thought that we were going to be talking about an industry um that is very um sort of is marching on um with women kind of struggling to uh fulfill all their different roles in life whilst uh being engineers but I don't get that impression um, listening to you. I feel like uh, it is a place where women can thrive. And um, it's just really inspiring to, to hear your experiences and how you're making the industry work for you and how you're able to really fulfill your purpose in, in improving people's lives through engineering. So thank you so much. It's okay, no problem. Thank you very much for today. It's been great to meet you today. Thanks for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery, self-evolution and inclusivity on innovation. Let's all strive to be in the best versions of ourselves and celebrate others being themselves too. As always, be kind and loving and I wish you all a great week.